Welcome to Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. Oh, oh, how sweet it is, ladies and gentlemen. So glad to be back. Sorry for the little hiatus, but here we are. Back at it. From deep underground in Staten Island's beer bunker slash virtual saloon, welcome to yet another episode of Three Beers In. The craft beer show bringing you the latest news and unique craft beer reviews. And this right here is episode number 175. And we are listening to, we are listening to, we are drinking this week from the Jersey Cyclone Brewing Company, Wit Happened. It's a, as you may have guessed, it's a Belgian or American wheat beer, Belgian style wheat beer. Um, a beer that I wanted to have more of. Over the summer, but couldn't find that much of it. Uh, again, I go once a month, so to speak, to pick up the beers. Uh, nonetheless, here we are. Uh, a beer that is after my heart in terms of style. Very good for the summer and something that we will be having today. I'm excited about it. See what see what it's all about. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a brewery out of summer, summer, Somerville, New, uh, New Jersey, which is uh, somewhere in New Jersey. I'm from Staten Island, so... It's, it's close enough. Drinking a Bitburger right now, and I just got to just start off by, I didn't want to start off with this, but I have to just start off with my influence, right? I have influence. You understand? People listening to the show, again, uh, the windows are open, so if you hear motorcycles and, and things screeching, it's because of uh, because of that. Uh, people, people listen to this show. People that are close to me also listen to the show and know uh, I've taught them about beer. Now, I'm not trying to sound elitist. I'm not trying to sound like a dick or anything like that. But I've, I've shown people a certain way when it comes to beer, and I think it's important, and I think it's cool. So the one thing that happened I went, uh, yesterday was a very busy day, all day, doing something. But uh, yesterday, for, for there was a bridal shower. Uh, Froggy, he used to be on the show. He used to be one of the hosts. His name is Dom. His um, fiance's bridal uh, shower was yesterday, and, you know, my wife was there with uh, in it and, like, my daughter. So I was completely swamped yesterday and stuff. But he invited during the party portion where the where the ladies go and have like a, a oh you know what the fuck a bridal shower is what am I gonna sit here and try to tell you what it is anyway he had people over right and when I got there uh you know he's like hey we got beers and stuff you know there was Budweiser there was Miller Lite I think Miller Genu uh, a Miller uh, regular you know like the champagne of beers Miller and it was just like it wasn't looking great it wasn't looking really great but then there was like a cooler off to the side under the sandwiches. Boom. We had Spotten, Spotten Optimator, and Bitburger. The guy nailed it. Now, this is what it's all about for me when it comes to just guiding people towards good beer. There's a good amount of Bitburger there because it's, it's a, and I'm drinking one right now. It's a 4.8%. It's a Pilsner, that German style beer. It's the Budweiser of Germany, but that means that it's just, it's just so much better than Budweiser. I mean, it's palatable for people who are Bud drinkers too. Um, and it just hits the finer points of a, just a solid, good beer. And I was proud of him in that moment because what had happened was he he bought beer for the masses. Like, he knew the, the clientele who was coming through. He knew there were a couple of beer heads coming through, some hop, not hop heads, but craft beer lovers. Instead of him just doing straight-up craft beer, he went to the macro, quote-unquote macro beer that all craft beer lovers will pro uh, probably uh, navigate... Uh, Gravitate to, which would be like Warsteiner or Bitburger, anything German, essentially. It just has that much more flavor. It's it's just more of a full flavored beer, um, as opposed to the other uh, two. Okay, moving on here. I totally reworked the audio, so I hope it sounds good. It just wasn't sounding proper to me uh, as I was re-listening to the show going through, and I know I was. I'm not a fucking sound engineer, and I was messing with this thing. I got some serious equipment here. And it wasn't sounding the way I wanted it to really sound. So I hope that I'm coming in loud and clear and I hope that it sounds good. Um, I might not mess with it anymore if it does sound quality. And, uh, you know, because, um, again, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, if it's if it's working, and why not? Why not? Why do anything to it? Right. I'm really sorry for missing last week. I was invited to a barbecue. Uh, don't worry. Social distancing was implemented and all. And it just felt really good to be around other people. Um, it's just been so long um, since I've seen 
people outside of my nuclear family, you know, and these are friends of mine. And it was like, I haven't seen them in since February, you know? So it was, it was just really good to, to see that. And I think about how my daughter has been so limited with interactions during the COVID in terms of like people. And I think that might be just probably bad for her immune system and her development, et cetera. You know, I think about that just makes you wonder and stuff, but very busy last two weeks. Absolutely out of control. Now I'm happy to come down here. It's a little late. It's about, what is it? It's about eight o'clock on a Sunday. It's a school night for me, you know? Those of you just joining for the first time, I, I, I've been working all throughout the COVID thing, so it hasn't really affected me and my psyche because it's just been a little less crowded where I'm at. But I do know that uh, a lot of people are struggling right now. But if you can get out of the house and meet people, meet your friends, not like go meet new people, but <clears throat> go see your friends, man. If you could, um, if you're able and you, you don't feel like you're going to be taking that much of a risk by doing so and you don't have vulnerable people around, um, really consider it because I'm telling you, I, I did not think that I was as affected by the quarantine as I thought until I actually got to see some folks and it, 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 it's, it was like a breath of fresh air to just see somebody, uh, before we move any further here, I got a couple of emails that I want to share that I think are pretty interesting here. I got an email from Augusta from West Virginia. I thought I was going to say Augusta, Georgia, and she said, uh, who wants any pumpkin beer now with the heat being 100 plus degrees? Does it seem like they're coming out earlier this year? Why did I say it earlier? Why did I say it like that? Earlier. I did it again. Earlier. That's a, that's a funky word. Or is it? I don't know. What the hell am I saying? And, uh, is it earlier? <laughs> Shit. I'm going to kill myself. Earlier this year. Enjoy. I enjoy the show and craft beer. Keep it up. I think it, I feel like it comes out early every year. Um, that's almost as much of a tongue twister as earlier, early every year. Hmm. And we just forget, you know what I mean? Like it's out of sight, out of mind. You see pumpkin and October fests, you know, first to the market makes the most profit, I would say. Uh, and also no one wants their beer out there like the day after Thanksgiving and shit. You know, if you see like an old October fest, you're just kind of like, I mean, I'll, I'll get it. I don't care. But you know, you're just, you're like, Oh, mm, that's old. <laughs> but it could also be that it's 2020 and everything is entirely fucked. You know, maybe it is coming out a lot earlier. It, it is very, very hot. And it's something that I just don't think is, you know, something you would really want right now, especially with the weather being the way it is. Although I will say this being down here at eight o'clock at night, it's like 73 outside and it's not as humid. It's, I actually feel really good down here right now. I almost did one of the stouts that's in the fridge, but I think I could wait a little bit longer for that. And I also wanted to address, before I get to the next email real quick, I got a couple of duplicates in there. For those of you that are just first listening to the show, it's in, I really try to make it a point to do a unique brewery each time that I do a beer review. And I know I've been bad on the untapped. I'm a terrible host, guys. I'm sorry. I miss weeks sometimes. I, you know, I don't keep the untapped up to date. I fucked up the music big time last episode. But nonetheless... Uh, and I say nonetheless a lot, but I have some duplicates in there. I might try to group them together to get back out the Joe Canals to try to get some of the craft Oktoberfest that I'm pretty sure is going to be out there from the Jersey breweries. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just when it shakes my confidence when I find that I I found a whole bunch of beer that was not unique. Not not that it wasn't unique. I just I was just grabbing what I could get my hands on. And uh, the fact that there, there's a couple there from Collective Arts. I did Thin Man before. I, I just want to try to keep it um, as widespread as possible. I might have to try to find another location to find my beer. Because if I'm going out once a month, then it's no big deal if I have to make a pilgrimage. You know what I mean? All right, next email here. And by the way, you can email me at www.threebeersin at gmail.com. I just actually did where... I'm sorry. I totally fucked that one up. There's two ways you can do it. You can go gmail.com, type in three beers in at gmail.com, or you can go to www.threebeersin.com and you go to the contact us section and you can leave me a question, comment, or concern. And you could also hit the merch tab to get yourself a shirt, a sweater, a mug, or something. It would be really, really nice. So I fucked up my own plug there. Paul from Westerville, Ohio says, are there any beers infused with tobacco or at least have 
tobacco flavoring. I love to smoke and I love to drink beer. Why not do both? Well, I do, but I can't smoke inside, so I only smoke a few cigs a day. But I'd love to get that robust tobacco flavor I crave in a beer. Well, Paul, there's definitely there are definitely like smoked beers out there. The uh, Rausch beer style is from Germany, but I don't think I've ever come across anything craft that was a smoked Rauschsteier beer, uh, Rausch beer style. Excuse me. Um, I can't even think of a, a brewery off the top of my head that makes that beer, uh, but it definitely smokes that parts that like smoke flavor there that you get like in a like in a smoky scotch whiskey, you know, like when you're having like a, have you ever had like Lagavulin or Lagavulin, you know, it, it has like that. It, it's honestly your mouth taste. It tastes like you just ate a barbecue briquette. Like that was like just off the grill. You know, I think that's the closest to, you could get um, to a smoky flavor, like in tobacco Um would be from a Scotch whiskey because the, the the next thing that I think I mean you're not asking about whiskey it's about beer, I'm thinking like a porter right because stouts can be a little bit more sweet and on the boozy side, and if you're outside trying to enjoy it I don't think it would be that great, but I think your best bet will define yourself a um a porter, or even consider the whiskey instead I mean I I don't like to have whiskey when I do when I have cigars because I get thirsty. When I'm having a cigar, I smoke cigars. So um, for me, I like I don't it's, it's not in the cards for me to um, to have uh, whiskey with it. But if I do, I do either a lot of ice or I add some water just to try to, like, take the bite away a little bit, because I'll find myself trying to take a gulp because I get so thirsty um, when I have like cigars. I also get really thirsty when I uh, eat ice cream, <laughs> but I don't have whiskey or anything like that when um when I'm eating my ice cream. By the way, if this is coming off low energy, guys, I really do apologize. But um I do have a good show plan here. I got some good news in terms of like the beer news. Like good news meaning like it's some good stuff, I think. So do stick around. Oh shit. Fucking worst coasters ever, man. The coasters that we got when Rob was still on the show, they're so bad. Everything just sticks to them. I'm going to put it over here as a keepsake. It's gone. Um, just refill on my pit burger here real quick before we get to the hop of the week. Um, yeah, I mean, this was the type of weekend where it's like you need a day off from it. And I got work tomorrow. So it's going to be a rough one. It's going to be looking like I'm going to have, 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 have two cups of coffee. For, uh, for tomorrow. But the hop of the week this week, ladies and gentlemen, is Apollo. All right, the Apollo hop. Now, according to hoplist.com, Apollo, the super alpha hop, Apollo, was first bred in 2000 by Hopsteiner and released to the public in 2006. It is descended from Zeus and two other unnamed USDA uh, varieties. It tends to be quite expensive, though quantities used to tend, though quantities used tend to be smaller due to its ultra high concentration of alpha acids. To its credit, Apollo's abundance of alpha acids also comes with a sharp, clean bittering pro- pro- profile, with other highly desirable factors being great storage stability and disease tolerance. It is usually employed alongside aroma hops in order to achieve balance, but when used as a late addition or dry hop itself, some grapefruit notes become evident. You'll find Apollo in Brown Bison Ale, Pirate Pale Ale, Pinhead Pilsner, and Belgo Pale Ale, to name a few, and often alongside varieties of Glacier and Palisade. That is, uh, principally, it is principally grown in the United States. Let me see what the... Um, yeah, that is pretty high. This is actually the highest alpha acid composition I think we've seen on the show here so far. So it's got the characteristics of a sharp, clean bittering grapefruit note hop. Of course, mainly used for the bittering and the alpha acid composition is anywhere from 15 to 20 percent. This is a pretty, this is a pretty harsh mamma jamma right here. So Apollo hop. I'm gonna see if I can get my 
my hands on an Apollo hopped beer. That would be pretty cool to just see how it tastes. Before we jump into the uh, beer news, this is interesting here. I, for the first time, like read the bottle, the Bitburger bottle, and it's in German. So, you know, let me try something here in real time for everybody. Google Translate. Oh, excuse me. Google Translate has a feature where you're able to put the camera on the text that's in the different language and it'll tell you what it says in English. But let me try to read it in. I'm going to try to read it in the German and see if what I'm reading makes sense. Like if it's like, if I get it right. Okay. So it's, so it's Bitburger premium pills, Germany's number one draft beer. We know that it says mit Holler tower und Bitburger Seigelhofen nach Deutsch Deutschem Reinsheitsgebet Gebraut. Okay? So I'm thinking that it's brewed with Hollertau hops, the single hop from Germany following the beer law and shit like that. So let's see. Let's see. I'm going to aim the text there now. It's Germany's number one craft beer. We got that. It just, okay, with Hollert. Okay, hold on. Pause. Oh, wait, no, it didn't do it. Shit. Oh, come on, do it. Oh, man, it's all over the place. Uh, okay, it just says, with Holler Tower and Bitburger single hopven, according to the German Reinsgebrei. I don't know why it didn't do it right. That's not fair. It should just it should just do it immediately. All right, select all texts. Come on. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Brewed with. Hey, hey, hey. Here we go. Here. Brewed with H A L L E R T A U E. Holler Tower. Oh man, it's not doing it right. Fuck off. Google Translate for the fail. I thought I was doing something so special, like some fucking space age shit. And it made me look like a dum-dum. But I was right. I kind of knew what it meant because you know what? Germany, German is very close to English in some respects. Like the, the house is cold as der house is cold, for Christ's sakes. There's a lot of English and German similarities. And I just, uh, I just nailed it right there. Fuck you, Google. Talk about your beer news. Got your beer news here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know why I became like an old-timey baseball dude, but it happened, okay? It happened, and we're going to move on from it. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. That's what we do here. But we're on here to the three, the, the news section of the three beers in show, and I have everything lined up here on my laptop because I want to be professional. want to be professional. First thing we have here, Goose is from PorchDrinking.com. I always cite who I got it from because that's important, all right? I don't want to rip anybody off. Oh, this is a cool ad. You know I love these ads. It's like a witch's hat. I might get that, I might get that from my wife. Maybe we could be a wizard witch and a little witch for Halloween. You got to think about that stuff. How do we do like a socially distant trick-or-treat? There'd be no trick-or-treat. There's no candy. Oh, my God. The whole world's going to end. Sorry. <laughs> gonna clear the waves there listen i'm sorry guys again i feel like the energy's off i feel like the energy's off i feel like i'm tired i feel like you can't really read that well not that i read really well anyway but i promise i won't let this happen again goose island announces 2020 bourbon county lineup uh, yes here it is ladies and gentlemen everybody waits for it for those of you that wait for it here it is for those of you that hate it here it is anyway so you can hate on it and here we go we know that Goose Island's 2020 Bourbon County Stout lineup will go on sale this Black Friday, as it has been the tradition over the past 10 years. What we don't know is how the release will be different this year due to the pandemic. While we wait on the brewery to release those details, we can tell you about the variance to this year's lineup. Thank you, Mike Zoller, for writing this article. And I'm just bringing it to the people, man. You did the work. I'm doing the work of telling the people. Soapbox here, baby. After last year's eight-beer lineup, 2020 is scaled back to seven variants, but maintains focus on the barrel-like. In 2019, 
There's still no barley wine, but coffee makes a bigger appearance this year, and it looks to be more of the star in the beer compared to the Café d'Arla last year. So I'm just going to go right off here. We have a, lay, uh, a picture here. So I think you got the regular one, which is just the white and black label with the gold lettering. Then we have a gold lettering white label with like a tan uh, label, like color on the bottom. Then you have like a, I want to say like a seafoam green color with red lettering, a purple lettering with a green, puke green label. That's going to be interesting. Blue and white label. Then a dark, like a Merlot red and black label. And then a golden, uh, maybe like a dark gold amber colored label. I'm pretty sure maybe that has some coconut going on there. Who knows? But here's the full list. So we have the classic Bourbon County Stout, what killed my mixer two years ago. Thank you for everyone who donated to the GoFundMe. Of course, this comes as no surprise. The OG leads off this year's lineup. And this one is uh, aged for one year in a blend of Heaven Hill Wild Turkey and Buffalo Trace Barrels. Expect similar tasting notes in the years past. Chocolate, vanilla, tobacco, and caramel. Hey, tobacco out there. Uh, what was your name again? What's your name again? Hold on. Paul. Paul. Get off the cigarettes, man. Vape instead. You can taste, you know, beer when you vape. Um, so, yeah, this is the base beer that they're going to use. Next thing we have here, Bourbon County Kentucky Fog Stout. Interesting. For the first time ever, Goose Island is using tea in a Bourbon County Stout variant. Mm. A blend of Earl Grey and black tea from Kilogram Tea Star. And this variant will also include honey from the Honey House. Uh, hmm. It says it's got uh, characteristics of licorice, molasses, and tobacco. Shout out to you, Paul. What, what the fuck is your name? Paul? I'm not going to look it up again. Stop smoking cigarettes. You're from Ohio. Um, teas inherits complexity is one of its biggest challenges. I mean, hats off to them for doing something so bold. But I... I tea? Let's see if they can pull that one off. That I would like to get my hands on just to see what's up. Bourbon County special number four, uh, a stout. Let's see. Oh, it's an oatmeal version of the Bourbon County stout uh, for special number four. Uh, it's also closest, the closest thing to a straight coffee variant we've had in a few years. Uh, after a year in barrels, cold coffee and single origin coffee beans from Intelligista Coffee are added. The beans uh, this year are called Matad Buku from Ethiopia and have a slightly fruity characteristic to them. In addition to the coffee, maple syrup from uh, the Basile Maple Farm gives it the more breakfast uh, stout flavor profile. This is going to be your uh, your really sweet one, it seems. Oh, here's the puke green one. Now, this is cool because this is the... Um, they show you the stout in the background. It's got like a nice red, clear red look to it. Uh, let's read about this one here. Oh, so hold on. In 2018... Goose introduced a wheat wine variant for the first time uh, to much fanfare, and uh, it won a medal, too. Next year, they tried a wheat wine again with popular uh, opinion claim that the beer was too sweet. Sorry. And the 2018 was preferred for what it's worth. This guy liked the 2019. 2020 brings yet another wheat wine with Caramella Ale, Italian for candy. Caramella Ale is aged in a la uh, la larceny? It says larceny, weeded bourbon barrels with apple, cinnamon, and caramel flavoring. The flavor profile should resemble an apple crisp on a fall day with notes of caramel, red apple, and cinnamon. So I'm I'm interested in the fog one and this one right here because this looks like this looks like a really delicious beer. Then they have the Proprietor's Bourbon County Stout. All black again again here and it's uh, this one I'm back on the Italian thing again. So this was something they did in 2016 but this year it's inspired by an Italian frozen treat, Spumoni, which is a Staten Island-like fucking, you know, tried and true. Popular tried colored dessert has nuts and candied fruit between the three layers of pistachio, cherry, and chocolate. So now this is the second one here on the list with pistachios, cacao, candied arenara, cherries, and natural vanilla flavors. Interesting. So it looks like we got two potential real sweet ones uh down the pike here then they have birthday bourbon count and st uh, uh, st uh stout Ooh. uh 
is released each year on the birthday. Uh, it's released on the birthday of the founder George Garvin Brown. This bourbon is chosen from the 11-year-old barrels, and all of the bourbon is picked from one specific production day. Okay, so it's just kind of like they pick a day and they do that. Anniversary Bourbon County, uh, celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the Black Friday. This one has been aged in two years in Weller 12-year barrels, uh, typically aged in four- to five-year-old barrels. So the older barrels are going to give you an extra year of aging with a more robust flavor. And then the author gives his thoughts. I'm not interested in his thoughts. I'll give you my thoughts. I am interested in the fog one. I'm interested in the wheat wine one. And I'm also interested in the spumoni one because that's going to be interesting. They're probably all going to be quite sweet, I would think, maybe on the sweeter end of things. Hopefully I can get my hands on those things. And uh, and we shall see. So let's uh, and and how they're going to present it. Who knows? Like how I mean, you can't have people waiting online for it. Though I think the lines have died down a little bit, but still, it's something to think about when uh, when the time comes. This next one's from CNN. So for those of you that are out there worried about your carbon footprint, you're going to love this one. Beer unsold during Australia's Corona. This fucking ad just comes up and destroys everything. I'm literally trying to to. Uh, Sorry, guys. (sighs) Beer unsold during Australia's coronavirus lockdown has been turned into renewable energy. Now, this is interesting. Um, Sydney, I think, I think I I spoke to Rob about it really briefly because the time differences really fucks us up. They're doing a like martial law type lockdown. Like you have to be in at eight o'clock. And if you're not in. At 8 o'clock, you're, like, violently arrested. I've seen some videos. It's pretty scary stuff. But this article comes from Nectar Gone, a nice little lady in this picture here. Again, Rob didn't tell me about this. Rob don't tell me shit, except that he's, you know, he's under the thumb of a pretty oppressive situation. But the beer unsold is going to, uh, towards renewable energy. So let's read a little bit about it here. When Australia's uh, coronavirus lockdown forced bars and restaurants to shut down in March, breweries were left in a hu- with huge inventories of unsold stale beer. But instead of going to waste, some expired ales and lagers in the state of South Australia have been serving a new purpose, powering a water treatment plant. Interesting. At the Glenelg wastewater treatment plant to the west of the state capital of Adelaide, millions of Leaders of unused beer from local breweries have been converted into renewable energy to power its water treatment process in the recent month. In the recent months, the plant mixes organic industrial waste with sewage sludge to produce biogas, which is then turned into electricity to power the whole facility. It's usually it usually generates enough biogas to provide about eighty percent of its energy needs. That's pretty fucking dope. But the recent influx of beer has boosted its energy generations to new levels, reaching 654 megawatt hours in a single month. I don't know how much that is, but that's what they're saying, and it's pretty fucking dope, I guess. By adding around 150,000 liters of expired beer per week, holy shit, we generated a record 355,000 cubic meters of biogas in May and another 320,000 cubic meters in June which is enough to power 1,200 houses. I thought it would be more than that, the way they're throwing these huge numbers out there. But I guess we don't really know the impact of what our power consumption is until, you know, it's put into a bit of a perspective. Sorry about that. My Windows Defender summary is letting me know something. Hold on. Okay, I guess I got no viruses. Celebration, everybody. We're clear. No viruses in this computer. Uh, Beer worked well for the plant's digesters, quote-unquote, Hannett said, referring to the large sealed concrete tanks where sewage sludge is heated in an oxygen-free environment and decomposed to produce methane-rich biogas. The booze's high calorific value, the amount of heat released during the combustion, makes it perfect for the the anaerobic digestion process, she added. So it's like if you have wicked beer farts, right, that is that is the combustion of what happens when your stomach does the work. Honorably, our thirsty digesters have been doing their bit for the environment by drinking themselves silly with such a horrific diet. No wonder they produce so much gas! Exclamation point. Ha ha ha. Oh, the tongue-in-cheek jokes from these people. Imposed in late March, Australia's coronavirus lockdown hit the brewing industry hard. In May, Lion Beer Australia, one of the country's largest breweries, 
So it's an emptying 90,000 kegs or 4.5 million liters. That's his, that's 1.8 million gallons of beer. And it is just now gone. That is so sad. But it is going to powering uh, Australia, so that's good. Next article up we have here is from theweek.com. Jeff Sprose wrote, What beer reveals about monopoly power? Wait, did I read this last week? Or did I skip it? Now I have to... I'm sorry. If I read this last week, please skip ahead. But if not, I'm going to power through because I don't remember talking about it. But this is giving us... I, I, the reason I choose this article here... I'm sorry, I have a mosquito bite on my fucking foot. The, re, uh, the reason I choose this article here is because it's giving us a little bit of an update on what the big boys are doing. And I think it's important because... Um, you know, we have to keep our eye on what they're doing, uh, you know, in terms of uh, gobbling up smaller places and stuff. But let's just see what the latest is here. Beer probably isn't the first thing people associate with big economic debates. But if you want to understand the corrosive influence of monopoly power in American society, it provides a handy lesson. Hope this doesn't get fucking preachy. But let's see what happens. Judging, judging simply by the beer selection at your local grocery store, it might seem like you're awash with uh, a wash in brands and a hefty selection of craft beers. Not necessarily, and I'm in fucking New York. But it turns out a lot of these op uh, options are actually owned by the same small selection of beer-making giants. Now, that is fucking true. As recently as 2000, the U.S. beer market had 22 major players. Then came a flurry of takeovers, buyouts, and mergers that reduced the number to four by 2012. Anheuser-Busch InBev, AB InBev, SAB Miller, Heineken, and Jarlsberg. Between them, they controlled three-fourths of the sales in the United States, and 47% of the global market by volume, not to mention 74% of global profits. Last year, InBev closed its merger with uh, SAB Miller. The latter company had to sell its stake in Miller Coors back to Molson Coors to make regulators happy. But even then, once Ab, uh, InBev had acquired its former competitor, the newly created beer behemoth accounted for 30% of the world's market volume and 60% of the world's market profit all by itself. Meanwhile, the Molson Coors and, and InBev one-two punch controlled 90% of America's domestic beer production. These are some pretty fucking huge numbers, guys. The merger between InBev and Miller brought more than 400 beer brands under the same corporate umbrella. And that, of course, means that all those beers aren't really, quote-unquote, competing with each other in any meaningful sense. In a capitalist market, here comes the preachiness, I guess, the whole point of having all these options is that they discipline one another by frightening, uh, by fighting for customers, keeping the prices down, the quality up. Not surprisingly, a long decline in beer prices reversed over the last few years. The explosion of craft brewers remains a bright spot in the industry, but the growth of these smaller players has slowed markedly in the recent years as well. As it is, they only control 9% of the domestic American uh, market by sales and 6% by volume. And the big beer makers are trying to make, uh, trying to slowly gobble them up as well. We do know we see Fat Tire just got bought. It happens. And every time I hear about it, I bring it here on the show. Here's the kicker, though. InBev is buying up beer reviewing websites and delivery operations now. This is where I think the, uh, the article becomes interesting because I think it's important that we understand where the snakes in the grass are, so to speak. Um, ZX Ventures, the venture capital group that's entirely owned by InBev, quietly bought a minority stake in Rate Beer, a popular beer rating website last year, according to Open Market Institute. Brewers soon learned that X, uh, ZX Ventures had also invested in other beer review websites, including October and The Beer Necessities. In the beginning of February, ZX Ventures also acquired Beer Hawk, which is a British online Beer, uh, beer retail site. Uh, this is, I'm sorry, this is sinister from a, uh, for rather obvious reasons. If a massive brewer can own a major stake in the rating site, it could well influence what beers the outfit recommends to customers in the first place. Uh, it wouldn't even need to own its smaller competitors. It could simply and subtly steer potential customers from ever discovering those competitors to begin with. The brewer Dogfish Head was so upset by this development, they asked that their beers be pulled from Rate Beer's website. Uh, once again, you can look for it. You can see, once again, excuse me, once you begin to look for it, you can see the problem 
of market access everywhere. Companies are squashing competition with raw size and buyouts. Yes, but monopolies are also taking over the infrastructures and platforms by which competitors gain access to markets in the first place. Just about all the web traffic these days, especially news, has made its way to the consumers of one or two platforms, Facebook or Google. The major telecom and cable companies we rely on to get our media to us have dwindled to a few powerhouses. Amazon controls a massive slice of, a slice of the on -tail, uh, online retail market and is now buying up grocers like Whole Foods, which provide the items that are now sold through Amazon and so on. The straightforward version of monopoly power, plus the more specific form of market access control through vertical integration, used to be forbidden by U.S. antitrust enforcement. But in the last 40 years or so, regulators and courts alike have become far more laxed. That's what allowed the flurry of beer ma uh, maker mergers to begin with. The Miller was the Miller was required to spin off Molson Coors before InBev acquired it was just the last pathetic grasp of regulatory system that was used to prevent companies from controlling anything more than 7% of the given market. And under the old system, InBev's purchase in the stake of rape beer would have most certainly been scuttered as well. Now it's just big business. We're all making big business market, and the rest of us have to drink our beer here. Okay, I get what he's saying. Okay, I do understand the us versus them mentality of it. But, you know... It, I, I feel like when we get an article like this and things are put into perspective, it kind of makes you not want to hate on Sam Adams as much because obviously there has to be the biggest of the little guy and Sam Adams is the biggest of the little guy. And they're fighting, they're fighting two things. They're fighting the, the craft beer purists that think that they're too big to be craft beer and they're fighting the actual fucking behemoth in the room, which is... InBev and stuff like that. So I just wanted to put that article out there for you guys to hear it um, just to give you an idea of what's happening and how we, we really have to pay attention where we put our, our capital. And what's, what's really interesting is um, right now more than ever, you got to really support your local craft brewery because this is some, this is some snake in the grass bullshit that they're doing where they're trying to influence what decisions you make in terms of your purchasing power and I've always told you, the power rests within you and your wallet. Last article I got here, and certainly not the least, it is from... Hold on, I lost the thing here. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Let me do this one first, because uh, I do want to get to the last and not the least. But this one here is a small dictionary of Finnish drinking words. This is from a blog of someone who lives in Finland. But uh, this is how it goes. I think this is going to be pretty interesting. I haven't read it yet, and I want to try to see if I can try to apply what I read from Finland's drunks into our American drunk. Like, if I could try to, like, put it into perspective and see if I can Americanize it, so to speak. But um, you know how the Eskimos supposedly have dozens of specialized words for different kinds of snow? It comes as no surprise to people who know the Finns that they have lots of specialized words for different kinds of drinking and alcohol. Here's a little dictionary of these drinking terms collected on an expedition through the Finnish countryside in the summer of 2018, hunting for Finnish traditional farmhouse ale. This guy was in Norway and he did all this stuff, but here we go. The okay, so the, the problem here is I'm going to have to try to pronounce these words. Actually, you know what? Let me use let me use Google fucking translate, right? Because it, it screwed me up before. Let's see if I could do Finnish, right, to English. Well, I just want to hear what it is. Because the first one is, okay, hold on. K-A-L-S-A-R-I-K-A-N-N-I. And this is what it is in Finnish. That doesn't sound English. Kalsarikani. Okay, I don't know why she went Pepperoni. But probably the best known drinking word, it means getting drunk at home in your underwear with no intention of going out. Kalsari is underwear and Kani means drunk, so it literally means underwear drunk. So... 
This is an actual American thing. People will take their pants off. I I don't sit in just my underwear. I will wear just like a pair of basketball shorts to bed. That is my underwear drunk. Yes, this is ha- this happens. I will I will drink at home. I will get drunk at home while watching television in the underwear. This is a real thing. That happens in America. I am very, very happy that this also happens around the world. This next one, I actually have to plug into the text here because it's it's too much. So K-O-R-P-I-K-U-U. If you have two U's in a row, you know you're going to be in trouble. U-U-S-E-N-K-Y-Y-N-E-L. Now that's just fucking ridiculous, but... Here it is in Finnish. Okay. 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 Uh, slang expression for moonshine, illegally produced strong liquor, something Finland has a lot of. The interesting part of the literal meaning of the world, it means tears, tears from the deep forest spruce. It's a very poetic term since it's both evocative and very accurate. Corpi means a remote part of the forest, far from any house or human uh, habitation. This, of course, um, is an excellent place to hide an illegal still. Kusun meaning spruce, which is common in Finland, and kinu meaning tears. When you distill liquor, the alcohol condenses in metal tubes and slowly drips out. So this is what they use for moonshine. I don't know if this, this has nothing to do with um, actually drinking it, But this is true in America. Moonshining is something that they call it moonshine because it was done under the in the nighttime and in like when, you know, when you weren't around people because you didn't want to um, get caught, especially because it was illegal. The next one is N-O-U-S-U-H-U-M-A-L-A-T. My God. No, so humalat. No Suhumalat. No Suhumalat. No Shimalat. No Shimalat. I mean, I don't even understand. That's the English. So from No Su, uphill run, and Humalat, drunk, meaning a gradually uh, rising level of intoxication. The Finns view this as the ideal state to achieve a, success, to achieve a successful party. Note that it does not mean being as drunk as possible, which of, which also leads to people getting uh, cut off, falling asleep, and vomiting, and so on. It it is ideal. It is i the ideal is seen as a gradual and evenly rising alcohol amount in the blood. I'm okay with that. I think that's true with people. Like you want to have a good head. You, you know, like you don't want to get a little fucked up, but you don't want to get sloppy. That's that's an American version of it. L A S K U H U M L A Oh, A L A T. So this is another drunk term because we know what humalat means, right? So hold on. This is what it sounds like. Lasku humalat. Lasku humalat. means uh, downhill. So uh, the opposite, downhill run drunk, a falling level of intoxication. Not a complete stop in drinking, but drinking too slowly, meaning that you feel yourself, your, your buzz is going away. What are you going to do if your buzz is going away? So, yeah, I guess we have the, the I mean, I don't think we have a cron- concrete term for it, but buzzed. I think buzzed is the word we're using for here. So when I'm, f- I'm getting buzzed means I'm getting drunk, which is the, the rising level. And if it's like I'm losing my buzz, that is when you're having the um, less kumla halala. Uh, pojat, which is P-O-H-J-A-T, literally means bottom. Uh, it means you're bottoming out. It's also, it's not in terms of you becoming too wasted, but it is a money-saving tactic, meaning you're running out of money because drinking in bars is expensive because there's alcohol taxes in Finland. We don't have this problem here in the United States. There is no crazy tax when we go out to drink. You have a tab. You put your cash down. I guess the equivalent would be if the cash that you put out on the bar is starting to go away quickly, and that is indeed bottoming out for us if you see that your money's uh rolling away the next thing we have here i gotta type this one in because it's another one of the doozies we have hold on here 
um, S-U-O-J-A-K-A-N-N-I, which uh, means... Suryakani means defensive drunk, and it's the idea that you're going to going to go to some kind of a party tomorrow, and you're worried that if you get a little too drunk at the party, um, you don't want to get drunk today because you want to handle more alcohol tomorrow. Oh man, this is a tough one because uh, if I have to, if I know that I'm going to have a big drinking day, like uh, you know, coming up, I do try to avoid alcohol completely. Because I don't want to get all pissy, you know, going into it. So I don't think there's an American one for this. I really don't think so. So maybe uh, you guys can help me out and uh, give me the American one for that. Next one we have here is, I'm going to try this one without the translator, but then I'm going to put it anyway, is uh, Nena Tipu. Nena, N-E-N-A-T-I-P-P-U. Nena Tipu? Nena Tipu. Nena Tipu. Nena Tipu. Oh, Jesus. Finnish is weird sounding. Sounds like a weird Italian. Nenanipu. This one refers to something that, at least historically, didn't get you drunk. Small beer literally means nose drops. It refers to small beers. Uh, I guess that means nips. Um, hmm. No, don't think I know about this one. Sorry. Now, this one is tough because this one's two fucking words. All right, here we go. Type it in. H I R. Uh, V-I-K-A-L-L-I-O-N-T-A-K-U-N-E-N. Hervictolian Kuchen? Hervictolian Kuchen. Uh. Fuck off. Hervictolian Takunen. If you're not Finnish, uh, it takes a little practice to say it, but what does it mean? All right, they tell me what the words mean. Hervy means moose. Kalo means rock. Takunin means made behind. So if we're putting it all together, it means made behind the, the moose rock, which means the rock is deep in the forest where the moose are, and someone hid and someone hid a still behind the rock. Uh, it just means vodka. Mm. Oh, man, what a terrible finish on this blog here. So sorry. I really feel terrible about that one. Fuck. Mm. Really? Mm. God, he did not save the best for last, but at least I saved the best for last, ladies and gentlemen. And this is a, a bit of a doozy here. So you know that the Stone Brewing Company has had a bit of a fucking crazy last couple of weeks. Here's the next twist in the whole story. <coughs> this is from Brewbound.com. What do we have here? Stone Brewing CEO Dominic Engels resigns and someone else's take home as the interim uh, and this is it, man. I mean, look, uh, Steve uh, Stoneberg, Company Dominic has resigned from the California Headquarters Craft Brewery, according to an internal letter from staff uh, to the staff from the co-founder uh, Steve Wanger, and obtained by Brewbound uh, Wanger, uh, Wagner. Excuse me, has assumed the role of interim CEO and co-founder. Greg Koch will remain the executive chairman. And he's talking about they have a bright future and blah blah blah. Listen. To me, this guy resigning, the CEO resigning, I mean, what reason do you have to really fucking resign, okay? I mean, he has years of experience with this type of stuff. I think it's due to him disagreeing with Greg Koch's fucking bullshit, okay? And I worry that it's going to lead that motherfucking asshole, Greg Koch, down more of a rabbit hole of, this beer is too arrogant for you, you wussy bitch. Drink it if you're lame, which is really cringy in 2020. 2007 or 2006, the arrogant or, or the arrogant bastard ale, you can't handle this shit. I guess it was kind of cool. You know I'm cool with the gimmick. I don't mind a gimmick here or there. But it's getting a little fucking old, man. And then when you're doing this shit where you're bullying smaller breweries and you're like, you can't handle the truth and bullshit like that, man, fuck this guy. I really hope that this guy resigned because of this fucking asshole's bullshit, okay? And I'm going to keep my eye on the situation because God only knows this ain't the end of the problems that we have coming out of stone. Time to review this beer, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. 
Jersey Cyclone. How come I feel... Oh, Brooklyn Cyclone. That's, that's what pops into my head when it comes to Cyclones and the New York Connection. So here we have their Wit Happened, which is an interesting... It's got a cool can. Like, all of the fermenters have been, like, knocked over and destroyed. Like, I think that they're trying to say is what happened, but they come out with the wit happened. It's a Belgian-style wheat ale. Um, it's coming in at 5.7 ABV. Um, let's see. What do they have on that website about it? Hold on. Wit happened. Belgian wit. Need we say more? With all the classic ingredients of a traditional Belgian wit, this beer has characters of coriander and orange peel with a balanced fennel yeast flavor. All these flavors layered upon the malted wheat backbone for a perfectly balanced and delicious wit. So let's crack it open, shall we? Oh, yeah. Tollboy cans, nice silver cans. Gonna pour this one out. I give it a swirl. I want that yeast uh, to, to, to be in there. That sediment that's uh, settled to the bottom. I want it in there. Because, like, if it's like a... Like Hefeweizens, you want to do that. Belgians, I'm going to fucking do it. Otherwise, it'd be pretty clear. Swirl it around. Swirling it around in there and dump it on out. Yep, cloudy up that beer. That's what I want to see. Okay. This one gets me excited, boys and gals. Especially you, Augusta. You just uh, reached out to us here. What do we get here? We got a light copper, uh, medium amber color here. Uh, classic beer look to it. Um, get about um, one finger of head. Not wildly active in terms of the carbonation. Head goes pretty quick, though. I think it's already starting to dissipate right now. Um, it's, it's not a lot to write home about. I mean, it has no floaties in it, really. Even though it clouded up quite a bit when I uh, dumped the swirled can in there. Let me turn this down a little bit. Let's get a nose on it, shall we? Yeah. Got that clove. Got that banana smell going on. Oh. Some coriander and yeast with a little orange. A little apricot. Coriander. Spice, you know. Seems like it's going to be astringent. Uh, not a lot going on here in the nose, right? Let's get to the taste here. Oh, man, that holds true. God damn. Gentlemen and ladies, ladies and gentlemen, I am shocked, shocked by this flavor. I swear to God, I was not expecting a lot from this beer. I I, I don't know why. I, I just... Maybe it's because I haven't had this style in a while. I don't know. But I was waiting for that dry, yeasty, spicy flavor. Like that overly astringent flavor. And I was greeted by a Belgian juice bomb. Huh? God damn, it's got all those major Witta flavors in there. You know, it's got the coriander, the clove, but an unsuspecting banana note is in there, right? Like something you really don't expect. And especially, you get it in the nose there too, a little bit. Ooh. Fuck, man. This is a really great beer. In the beginning, you get, you get the burst of the coriander there. And then as it goes through its motions, that bright flavor is met with a lush, all right? And I'm not using that term lightly, a lush orange fruit flavor running throughout like a sweet, ripe orange fruit flavor. Like a slight lemon zest is going on in there too. Lush, okay? Smooth as fuck. Mmm. God damn. I I really hope that these guys these guys might be the new Bolero snort of the other part of New Jersey. I gotta figure I gotta get a map of New Jersey and figure this shit out. 
getting like a passion fruit flavor there. What? A slight pear flavor there. No a no IBUs whatsoever here, bro. I mean, like it is no bitterness whatsoever. Mm. You could take such long drawn sips of this and it is so full of like delicious wholesome fruit flavor meat with that met with that that coriander that belgian -y flavor there my god it was unexpected so i go to the style right truly astonished truly astonished nowhere near what i expected what how do i score this beer right how do i score this beer can I put it above the Madonna? Does it go on the fucking Mount Rushmore? It doesn't. It does not hit the Mount Rushmore, but it gets a 9.0. The Madonna had a 9.1, okay? But this gets a 9.0. Because I am so fucking amazed at this flavor. I mean, I could crush eight of these. 5.7, I could eat it with fucking chicken wings and barbecue fucking ribs if I wanted to. This beer is so good. God, do I want to put it on the Mount Rushmore? I got to think back to how delicious fucking um, Madonna was, but it was a, it was a juice bomb, right? It was a juice bomb, and am I am I faced with a juice bomb Belgian wit? How's that fucking possible, man? <sighs> and then a part of me thinks like, am I just being a little bit too, am I being a little bit too lenient with the score? Am I looking at this and saying like, oh, but the Madonna, the Madonna was an 8%. One of the most drinkable IPAs ever had with the passion fruit, mango, pineapple. All of it was there. I can't, I can't, I cannot put it on the Mount Rushmore, but it gets a 9.0. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Try to put this into perspective. Hang on, I gotta write it at the top. Where's my pen? Where's my fucking pen? You gotta understand what I'm saying here, guys. It's a Belgian wit. And it's got a 9.0, almost on the Mount Rushmore. I gotta, I do have more beer for the, from these guys in the fridge. And I was worried about it because I was like, oh, I don't wanna do repeats. But I want to repeat. I want to see if this isn't a fucking flash in the pan. I want to see what if these guys have some solid beers in their brewery. Mm. Oh, that's not a fucking fluke, man. That is flavorful. Perfect. God. So a 9.0. Ugh. Oh, I'm so upset I only have two of these. Honestly speaking, I'm upset there's only two. And I had one already. I'm having, I have half of one to go here. Oh, oh. I'm grabbing my microphone right now because of how good this beer is. My God, do I want to put it on the Mount Rushmore? I can't, I can't. I already gave it the nine. It's got a nine. It's staying at nine. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're all doing so well out there. Uh, again, Sorry if this seemed like a lame one. You know, I can't hit a home run every time. Babe Ruth didn't hit a home run every single time. I'm going to be back next week. If God is willing to allow me to do it. www.3beersin.com. Click the contact us tab. Ask me a question. I don't care when it is. Ask me any question. We got some this week. It was great. Always just be remembered. You could buy some merch and stuff. That'd be cool too. Subscribe where you can subscribe. Give me a rating where you can give me a rating if it's on iTunes or whatever. I don't know. I'm not good at uh, plugging my own show, but I am happy to do it week in and week out. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Three Beers In. Love you all so very much. Hope it sounds good. 
and I'm going to catch you next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you.